As I was saying during the, the welcome to the service, over the past six weeks we've been speaking about something very profound and very important for us as Christians, the, the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, I think for me my brain sort of fried a little bit as I tried to, to help us understand things about resurrection, things about the future, and all these amazing ideas uh, that are realities that we as Christians believe. But I thought I'd give you a break because the next thing I wanted to speak about was about uh, the will of God and how we account for suffering in the world we live in. Uh, So that's another sort of deeply philosophical and quite heavy topic. So for three weeks, to bring us back down to earth, I thought I'd speak about something very practical, the stewardship of our our gifts and resources, about uh, Christians and money. And uh, I think you should know by now, although for the last few weeks we've been reminding you to fill in your pledge forms, that we're not a big money church. Uh, the undertakers in Paul are always very surprised when, when they phone me and they say, can you bury so-and-so? And I say, with pleasure. And they say, how much will it cost? I say, don't worry, my church pays, pays me enough and we'll, we'll bury whoever for free. And we don't teach prosperity either. We don't teach that stuff that if you give 10%, you'll get 100 times more than you gave. We tell you quite clearly that if you give 10% of your income, you'll have 90% of it left, which which is a good deal. You only give 10% and you get 90%. And we could spin that however we like. And we encourage proportional giving as a church, where, where if you've got lots and lots of money, we encourage you to give lots and lots of money. And if you've got just a little, to give just a little, even if it's just a symbol, even if it's just, say, one rand in the box on a Sunday, or even just offering your invisible ministry into the bag from Sunday to Sunday as a sign that everything that we are and everything that we have belongs to God, and we want God to use it. The psalm that we read from Eugene Peterson's version this morning was the set psalm for today, and that also spoke about how our stewardship of creation As the psalmist asks, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? And he writes in verse 6 of Psalm 8, you have given them dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under their feet. How we steward what we have is about how we take the privilege that God has offered us. The privilege of, of managing perhaps that small amount of money and time that you have as a human being, as an individual but also as a human race, how we manage the earth's resources, the the gas and the the sky and the environment, and how God charges us as God puts us in power over all of these things to look after them carefully. And so to find a place to, to, to speak from as we speak about money, I thought over the next three weeks we'd have our first sermon uh, dealing with wisdom about our personal finances and, and things that we steward. When, when I say money, just hear resources. So it might not just be money, it might be your time and all of that. So this week, some wisdom. Next week, how to have peace with what you've got. Paul writes about being content in all things, when he has lots, when he has a little. 
And that's an important spiritual skill for us to learn, how to be happy with what we've got and not covet other people's possessions. And in the third week, we speak about generosity. And I'll hang all of this on the parable of the prodigal son. And we'll start with Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 16, the first part of the parable. And I felt like being totally different today, so I will read it from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 16. Then Jesus said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there, who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Something true for all of us, I hope, is that we gain wisdom from our mistakes, don't we? We do. We should. Uh, And the nice thing about stories and the parables that Jesus tells is that we can gain wisdom from other people's mistakes. And a privilege of being a minister is I get to gain a lot of wisdom from everybody else's mistakes as we all share our mistakes with each other. And I prefer to think of them as, as learning experiences, don't we? And the mistake that the prodigal son makes is, is introduced right in the beginning when, when Jesus says he wanted everything that was coming to him Right now. He wanted it here and now. And so he gets his way. And when he gets his way, he ends up longing to eat whatever the farmer feeds his pigs. And I think it's comforting for us to know that even 2,000 years ago, Jesus tells this story to a world in which it will be familiar. People will understand what he's talking about. We often think that our modern culture is a culture of instant gratification, that human beings have always wanted what they want, when they want it, without considering the consequences of having it. And hopefully as we grew up into adulthood, we learned to temper our desires, to save up for something special, to wait for our birthday or Christmas as children, or to work to earn what we needed. But I think you might have noticed that quite recently, more than ever, every week a letter comes into my postbox that says, you can have 50,000 rand, just phone this number. Uh, After buying a car, after struggling to make payments for three months, I got a letter saying, you've been so good at making your payments that that you can borrow more. We would really be happy to to lend you some more. And I, I read the fine print, which was basically so that we can take your car back and sell it to somebody else. Credit cards, shop accounts, crafted payment plans, 
I heard on the radio that you can drive a Mercedes today and start paying for it in, I think it was October. First payment in October. And isn't that, that would be lovely. I'd love to drive that fancy Mercedes-Benz today, uh, but I don't really want to start paying for it in October. But nowadays, if if you're happy with everything that you have, perhaps you've got a, a nice TV, they'll show you a program about how clear another TV is on the TV that you have, and you'll suddenly want that other TV, and you'll go into the the shop and you'll look at that TV and before you know it there's a pen in your hand and someone's saying just sign here and you can take it you don't have to give us any money now we'll just dock your your pay at the end of the month and I know from my car payments that those guys smell the money in my bank account (laughs) every money every month they take it away it's quite scary that lying in my bed at home these days I can be reading a book on my iPod which which is one of the gadgets. I have a major weakness for gadgets. I'll be reading a book on my iPod, and I'll finish the book, and I'll think, oh, someone said I must read another book. Within two minutes, that book is on my iPod, and I can read it in my bed. But 200 bucks has disappeared, or 100 bucks has disappeared from my bank account because my iPod and my bank account are linked, so I can just buy books without seeing the money pass through. The prodigal wants it right now, and he can get it right now, and that's the same for us. Whatever we want, we can almost get right now, because somebody wants to lend us the money to buy it, so that they can have it back later on to sell to somebody else. So how about some wisdom to counter our foolishness? And if you look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, there's some, some classic Proverbs about this. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligence, the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to want. Plan, haste, plan diligently, the, the, the wise person says, because haste makes waste. The Proverbs also say, Precious treasure remains in the house of the wise, but the fool devours it. We can so quickly eat through what we have And even if it's not just our own money, but we as a human society so quickly use up our environmental resources and our physical resources and our societal resources. And whether you've got a lot of cash or a little bit, all waste is poor stewardship. To throw away food should make us all feel ill, knowing that we live in a world where people are dying daily of malnutrition. I read in Time magazine that every year the world throws away 1.3 billion tons of edible food. 1.3 billion tons of edible food. And 60% of the world's population is living below a hunger line. 60% of people in the world are malnourished. And what's frightening is that even here in Paul, South Africa, people look in my rubbish bin for food every day, every time the, the, the rubbish goes out. And uh, hopefully we, we put it in a nice little packet on top of the rubbish bin. Even if you don't think it's edible stuff, just put it nice so it's clean on top of your rubbish bin so that if someone has to look for it, they don't have to dig in. And, and perhaps, perhaps you could put something fresh on top of your rubbish bin every now and again. 
John Wesley said of money and resources, especially money, he said, he said that money is an excellent gift of God, answering the noblest ends. In the hands of his children, it is food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, raiment for the naked. It gives to the traveler and the stranger where to lay his head. By it we may supply the place of a husband to a widow and of a father to the fatherless. We may be a defense for the oppressed, a means of health to the sick, of ease to them that are in pain. It may be as eyes to the blind, as feet to the lame, yea, a lifter up from the gates of death. I think it's important for us, no matter how much we have, to realize that what we have is precious and can actually make other people's lives better. Even if it's the food that we waste, even if we've got plenty, any waste is, I think, a terrible thing. So what do we do to avoid wasting? And the proverb comes in, the plans of the diligent lead to wealth. In our house, we've learned the hard way to plan quite carefully. Before each week's shopping trip, we work out exactly what we will eat in the week ahead, planning the meals for every day and the exact quantity of ingredients. And it only takes a a few extra minutes to make sure that you don't buy five potatoes when all you're going to need is three. So we go through our cupboards and we see what we need, and then we go to the shops, and if it's Heather who goes shopping, we get exactly what we need. If Zach and I go with, then... You know what happens when children and and husbands go shopping. Extra things pop into the trolley and Heather gets cross with me. And then those things end up being wasted, don't they? But by planning, we don't waste any of the food that we have. And and the same that we can do with our, our money resources, too. We don't waste any of the money that we have. Because we could use that for better purposes, whether we've got a lot or just a little. Another important thing to do besides planning what you need and only getting exactly what you need is to budget carefully and avoid spending invisible money. I spoke about those, those sneaky people who you might go test drive a car just for fun and by the time you get back they've got a payment plan organized for you and you can sign on the dotted line and take this car home today. But the same happens with our credit cards and our accounts. You can pop into Woolies and see some things that you need and quickly swipe your card, you don't see the money going out, you just see that little plastic flashing through so quickly, it's it's very quick how it goes. And sometimes you don't even look at the number on the till as you swipe that card because you don't really want to see it. It's much like an alcoholic who who drinks his bottle in in a brown paper bag, not because he doesn't want you to see that he's drinking, but because He doesn't want to know that he's drinking. And we are the same with the way we spend our money. We don't want to track it because we don't want to be honest about it. So, and I'm speaking as not a perfect person, but as somebody who who has got himself into trouble with money a few times, is that you should write down every transaction that you make. In our household, we've now got envelopes for every week. And in that, in that envelope on the outside, it says how much money we're supposed to spend in that week. And uh, 
and at the end of each day, we take all the slips from petrol and from, from grocery shopping and from going to the movies or whatever it is we do, and we write those numbers down on the envelope. And what's beautiful about this is that instead of running out of money for two weeks at the end of the month, we just run out of money on Wednesdays. So we can know, we can plan. <laughs> and, uh, and I have to tell you that even if, say perhaps you don't actually have enough money for food, it's better to be hungry once a week. It's better to not eat, even if, if that's what it comes to. It's better to not eat on Fridays than it is to not eat for two weeks at the end of the month. So planning short-term on a weekly basis makes a lot of sense. And I'll tell you that there are people, even in this congregation, who who might not eat uh, once a month or once a week because money is, is getting smaller and stuff is getting bigger to pay for. There was some survey recently that said, that said even the, if, you, if you look at the evolution of packaging over the last 50 years, things are getting more expensive, but you buy less and less of them. So cans that used to be bigger are smaller today. In fact, the early Methodists deliberately used to not eat on Fridays so that the money that they saved could be used to provide for the poor in their communities. Uh, that would be a great discipline for us to introduce into ourselves. And I know that if I don't eat, I don't become very Jesus-like. Some people, fasting makes them very spiritual. Fasting makes me really grumpy and, and horrible to others. But what might be a good idea, and Heather tries to get past me every now and again, is meat-free Mondays, which saves a bit of money as you eat some rice and some cheese and some potatoes. Now, I always insist on some, some bacon sprinkled on top, because bacon isn't meat. Is it? But by, by just reducing your expense once or twice a week, you can set free some more resources to, to help somebody else uh, rather than just to overfeed ourselves. I think few of us, if we missed a couple of meals or a couple of mistakes, I think there are very few of us who would do any harm to our bodies. I, I, Oh, you're all looking quite plump and good, hey? Okay. If we just simplify it for a bit. But you know what? It's another thing that's important for us to know is that, that and often we, we get this idea that people who have lots of money are, are, are bad in some way because they've, uh, we're convinced that everybody who has a lot has cheated in some way to get it. <laughs> especially if you're feeling greedy at the end of the month and you, you're short on cash. And you know what? I think if you've worked hard for your money and you've saved diligently and you've used your brains, you deserve what you've got. I don't, you know, we often feel guilty, but everyone should try to share what they have. And if you've got more money than you need, then, it's, then you can afford to be discerning with the way you shop too. You can shop at shops where you know that the staff are taken care of. You can buy products that you know are friendly to the environment. If you can afford something good, like a good car, you know that you're not going to have to sell it within five years because it broke down and that will eventually end up in the landfill. We can all manage what we have diligently and intelligently. 
This doesn't seem like spiritual stuff, does it? It just seems kind of practical. But the thing is that God has given us lives to live and resources to steward for the sake of God's kingdom. By saving money and resources, we set ourselves free to answer God's call on our lives. Because if you live a life where you pile up debt for yourself for the first 20 years of your working life, you will be enslaved in your job for the next 40 years as you try to pay off that debt. And you won't be able to say one day, you know, I want to stop this job and I want to train to be a teacher and go teach accounting to kids in an underprivileged community if God gives you that call on your life. Because you will be stuck trying to pay off the debts that you, that you built up. A friend of mine is very wise, a lot wiser than I am. I was speaking to him yesterday and I noticed we went to a birthday party, not for me, but it was nice to have a free party at somebody else's expense. And all of our friends from Varsity are driving all these fancy cars. I saw 4x4s and Audis, and, but I recognized his, his Golf parked out there that he was driving at Varsity. It was the same car. But he's a, a well-paid geologist. And I, I just started talking to him, and he was saying, no, they, they, want it, they, they live just on his salary so that when they have children, his wife doesn't have to, have to go out and work. And planning wisely so that you can build the kingdom, and even if that's just by being able to spend more time with your kids, is a kingdom-building thing. If it's by being able to one day say to your boss, thanks very much, I enjoyed playing this game, but now I'm going to go and serve the community, I'm going to volunteer at hospice in my afternoons, please give me a half-day job because I'm sorted. You can do that because you've stewarded what God has given you carefully. By being wise stewards of what we have, we set ourselves free to be the people that God has created us to be so that we can work for the kingdom of God in this place. And I know that uh, just like that prodigal son, if you're sitting here in the congregation today going, oh my, I'm so over my head in debt, I uh, am a real mess. I can promise you, from my confidential conversations with many of you, is that you're not alone. There's many of us who are struggling to make ends meet uh, in this day and age. And we can start by even maybe saying, okay, from next month, I'm going to budget more carefully. I'm going to steward my resources so that I can overcome the debts that I have. And that might mean some radical cuts. It might mean eating rice uh, for a few weeks if you can afford rice. It, it might mean cutting down on the amount of trips you make in your car or whatever it is. It's worth doing so that you can be set free from the strain that finances often put on our lives. And I'm, I'm not a good guy to, to guide you with how to manage your money. I became a minister and my wife became a teacher because we're not very good at making money. But there are other people in the congregation who are very wise with money. And we can pair, pair people up with each other to help each other to make plans and to, to get out of the debts that we have and the trouble that we're in. So we've spoken about some wisdom about using our resources. And next week, we'll speak about having peace 
with what we have. Learning to be content. Because we live in a world where, where everything is designed to make you want more or to make you feel like you should be prettier or handsomer or richer or faster or whatever it is. We will speak about being content with what we have. Amen. Let us pray.